For the past month, we have been gathering around Jesus as we hear him speak the words from the Beatitudes, which is from the Sermon on the Mount in the book of Matthew. It's three chapters, chapter 5, 6, and 7, and we've been focusing on these Beatitudes, focusing each week one at a time on each verse to give ourselves a chance to really dig into what it might be speaking to us here and now. At the beginning of the section, we saw Jesus settling in. It describes he sits on top of a mountain, which is a classic pose of a rabbi, of a teacher. And so we join the crowds as we gather around him and listen to him speak. So today we focus on verse 9 in Matthew, in the book of Matthew chapter 5. Let us listen for the word of the Lord. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Peacemakers. We might find ourselves exhaling on this verse because peace is something that no matter who we are or what our vision of it looks like, peace is something almost all of us say we want, we yearn for. Many of us send up prayers for it, often in whispers or wails. It comes from our lips over and over again. And in some ways, of all the Beatitudes, the challenge to be a peacemaker might be the easiest to swallow, at least at first. It is much easier to try to describe ourselves as peacemakers than to want to be poor or pure or even meek might give us trouble at times. No one in American society wants to be called poor, but most people want to be called peaceful. And unlike other Beatitudes that talk about grieving and hungering and thirsting and being persecuted, we actually want to picture what it means to make peace. So what does peacemaking look like today? Many of you know that my mother and father are both pastors in a town up in Pennsylvania, southeastern Pennsylvania, about an hour outside of Philadelphia. About 15 years ago, my mom started working with the principal of a local elementary school. It's a school which draws many children from low-income neighborhoods. 86% of the students of the school are on free or reduced lunch. More than half the kids, when they ask them to raise their hands, raise their hands that they've heard gunshots in their life. And many have moved between family members or foster care before, within a full year. Tutors come and see a child who might not even be there through June. So years ago, the church started a couple programs in that school, Barth Elementary School. One was the tutoring program, which, like the Micah Project, involved church members and beyond sending them into a school they might not go to otherwise. They also started a program on peacemaking, especially for the fifth graders of this school. They go to a class where they learn what it takes to be a peacemaker, and then they, all the fifth graders nominate a girl and boy whom they have seen embodying the role of peacemaker throughout the year. The teachers go over the nominations forms, and then they ch- pick one girl, one boy, and there is an assembly at the end of the year where they award this child, these two children, these awards of peacemaker. They get their names on a plaque. Their families have been invited, unbeknownst to them. And the gasp goes out amongst all the upturned fifth-grade faces when they hear that the award is a $100 savings bond. 
This is a school where it doesn't have an auditorium, so they all gather in the cafeteria, and there aren't enough chairs, so some kids have to sit on the floor cross-legged. They give great applause to the children who are chosen as peacemakers. Here are some examples from the nomination forms written by the peers of these winners. Some kids were picking on me on the playground, and this girl came up and said to them, you shouldn't be mean, we need to learn to play together. Another person said that the child said, stop fighting, use your words. Another form said, when I was walking in the hall, I dropped all my books and my pencils fell all over. Everyone else walked on by, but he helped pick them up for me. Another said, when I was upset one day by something at home, by something about my mom at home, she came over and sat with me until I felt better. We look around and see huge needs for peacemaking in our world. And we might want to close our eyes, yet like these fifth graders up in this small school in Pennsylvania, we need to start looking for peacemakers somewhere. Sadly, as we get older, our definition of who counts as a peacemaker starts to get a bit muddled. Things don't always remain as clear-cut as they might seem on a school playground. And before you know it, one person's peacemaker is another person's troublemaker. And the person who's trying very hard not to disturb the peace might become someone who's just storing up trouble for later. When Jesus says the word peace, he uses a Greek word, eirene, which has many different connotations. But he's not using some ab abstract term as some teacher in an academic bubble. When Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, he is saying this in a time when the ruling authority, military and political, is the Roman Empire. Any other regional authorities who wanted to survive had to submit to the Roman Empire's version of peace. This was called the Pax Romana. Everyone under Roman rule knew the deal of the Pax Romana. You let Rome rule and you don't have to go to war. You give up fighting Rome and Rome would fight for you. If governors and leaders paid taxes and obeyed the rules, Rome would come to your side and enforce them and enforce order in your town and village and city. This was an offer that many politicians couldn't refuse. It was the law of the land, the very land upon which Jesus sat, saying, blessed are the peacemakers. But it's interesting because Jesus is not saying, blessed are those who are at peace. Jesus is not speaking about the peace that Rome is offering. He says, blessed are those who are peacemakers and doers, whose words do not simply challenge us to find, as one commentator said, a passive acceptance, being afraid of trouble. Instead, they challenge us to find an, and to actively face things, to face the making of peace, even when the way to peace is through struggle. So who is a peacemaker? This is where we often get confused and get into arguments, get mired into back and forth on Facebook posts or radio talk shows. Who is a peacemaker? We struggle with this question when we witness clashes between police and citizens in the inner city. 
We struggle this, with this when we hear politicians negotiate with opposing politicians. We struggled with this even when we encounter a playground fight where one kid wades in to help another. Who is a peacemaker is a tough question without an easy answer. And we must also remember that making peace does not mean closing our eyes in order to maintain a status quo. When we visited Israel, a group of pastors, last January, we saw the ruins of the city of Sepphoris, a prosperous city that was under Roman authority 2,000 years ago. They had the inscription, City of Peace, on their coin. One pastor read that and said, Peace. But I wonder at what price it came. I wonder how often people had to look the other way in order to maintain the peace. Unfortunately, we can point to moments in our own life of this city and in cities of the states where this has happened, where in the name of keeping the peace, there has been much division. There has not been building bridges, but instead isolation, putting those who are deemed as troublemakers or potential troublemakers, most often the poor, in separate places and dividing them off from those who are privileged by housing laws and interstate highways. Our own John Meeser has done much, much research on this topic. Decisions were made over and over again that separated poor people geographically, particularly immigrants and African Americans, from the resources and amenities of metropolitan Richmond. We often want to look the other way in order to not disturb our own peace of mind. And sometimes that means allowing more and more divisions to foster and to take root and to keep us isolated from each other. And indeed, John Meeser, who has done this research and work and has shown a light on these policies, will be receiving the Peacemaker of the Year Award from Richmond Peace Education Center. Sometimes a peacemaker means upsetting other people's peace of mind. And so when we ask the question, who is a peacemaker, I confess that I struggle to find a way to perfectly describe it or encapsulate it, at least in terms that won't offend someone. Because someone's idea of a peacemaker is someone else's idea of a troublemaker or even a flip-flopper. Just look at what happens to a politician if they try to cross the aisle. Or last summer when a police chief was at a non-violent protest in Richmond, California, and he held up a sign that said Black Lives Matter. He said, I couldn't really argue with it. I believed it. And the internet just raked him over the coals. When we look at the world today, we have a lot of questions. Who is a peacemaker? What does it take to be a peacemaker? It takes guts and courage. We can notice that. It takes, as the words of the Barth Elementary School Peacemaker Award said, someone who listens to others, someone who treats others as they want to be treated. We can also look at the psalm today, how it describes how the good is rooted and grounded and delighting in being rooted in the path of the way of the Lord. The wicked is that which blows away, which is unrooted and ungrounded, unable to stand. So we hear these words, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. And if we have a question, perhaps 
we can look more closely at the second part of that verse. It takes someone, a peacemaker, takes someone who also can be called a child of God. And friends, if we believe what we say each week in our worship and prayers, in our songs and our scripture passage, there is no person alive who cannot be called a child of God. There is no person that God is not hoping to work through in order to bring about a more peaceable kingdom here on earth. This can be hard to believe. And this does not say that every person will choose to work for peace, but we are handicapping God if we write off some people as inherently unpeaceful, as having no potential to build peace. And sometimes claiming that each person has the potential to be a peacemaker, saying this might feel incredible, and it might seem simplistic. Indeed, it does not fix or solve everything, but it does give us a place to start a conversation. When we claim that each person might have the potential to be a peacemaker, we are saying something countercultural, something radical, something of the gospel in a world that is often much more comfortable to divide and isolate and keep ourselves from having a disturbing peace of mind. We might realize we have to look in unexpected places to find surprising fellow peacemakers. We might realize we can look across aisles and alleyways across political and religious and social divides, and say, that person over there, that person is a child of God as well. God wants to use them. And when politicians or news channels or friends echo the Pax Romana of Jesus' day and say, side with us, be afraid of everyone else, and side with us, we'll keep things calm and peaceful. We Christians must be the ones who say, no, it is God's peace we want. And those people over there, they are God's children, just like us. We Christians must look across divisions and claim this new gospel reality. We must claim the good news that all are called to the possibility of becoming peacemakers. We must build bridges across chasms in order to work to bring all together into God's vision of a peaceable kingdom. Sometimes peacemakers appear through kind gestures in everyday life, by offering a meal to someone who is hungry, by facing a fear about someone who is different, or by picking up pencils that fall all over an elementary school hallway. Sometimes peacemakers act on a larger scale, on an advocacy level, working to dismantle policies that divide and isolate people one from the other. And sometimes, if we are very lucky, we can even witness both of these ways of peacemaking happening at the same time. And this occurred in a story of Father Alec Reed, who was in Northern Ireland through the last half century. Northern Ireland is a place that my sister and I have been fascinated by for years, and we traveled there six years ago to witness how this region and how the city of Belfast were rebuilding themselves after 
40 years of violence, of sectarian bombings and shootings in the street. We wanted to see how the city was remaking itself in light of the 1998 Good Friday Peace Accords, how they were stepping out with hope and energy after those violent 40 years. My sister even volunteered with the Cory Mila community, an organization that our Presbyterian denomination supports, which brings working class children from the inner city who are Catholic and Protestant, it brings them to the coast, the beautiful outdoors along the Antrim coast to work and play together for a week. And so we have kept up with this city and this region over the years, and this is how I heard the story of Father Alec Reed, who died in 2013. He was an Irish Catholic priest who was proudly Irish. He was described as shy, but he would argue long and hard for United Ireland. And one day he was caught up in a series of events he didn't anticipate. It was a morning on, in 1988 when two off-duty British soldiers stumbled into a funeral procession. And the funeral was the latest in a series of increased killings between Unionists and Loyalists, those who wanted to join an independent Ireland, those who wanted to stay connected to Britain. When the crowd realized who the British soldiers were, the men were dragged out of their cars and killed. Father Alec Reed had just said the Requiem Mass when he saw the mob and tried to stop the killing. He was pulled away from the soldiers with threats of being shot to death himself. The two British soldiers were dead and half-naked on the pavement by the time he got back to them. And right there, Father Reed knelt in the street and prayed over the bodies, delivering last rites, even getting blood on his clothes. In that moment, this Irish Catholic priest treated those two soldiers not as political opponents against which he had so fiercely fought, but as children of God. He touched and prayed over their bodies, risking his own life, treating those men as human beings. A photo at the time captured him kneeling there, a distraught look on his face and blood splattered on his clothes. And this photo captures this gesture of deep compassion, a small, profound act of peacemaking within the intensity of violence. This image of the priest praying would be powerful enough on its own. However, the story continues, and it was later revealed that in Father Reed's coat, at that very moment when he waded into the mob, he held papers from one political party to another, from the Unionist Sinn Féin party to the Loyalist SDLP party. He would probably have been killed if the crowds knew those papers were in his coat pocket. Father Reed had become a courier between two leaders of the party, secretly helping them connect, and over the years paving the way for peace talks that would eventually, a decade later, lead to the Good Friday Peace Accords. One newspaper account describes that as Father Reed anointed the soldiers, he and the brown envelope containing the papers were splattered with the soldiers' blood. It was a powerful symbol which only strengthened Reed's resolve to fight on for peace at a time when so many were questioning not only his motives, but also his sanity. It was years before he told anyone of his role in the peace process. 
If others had known what he was doing, he'd be seen as a traitor. Still, where others saw an insurmountable chasm of violent politics, with people on the other side who must be demonized and destroyed, Father Alec Reed saw two leaders, Jerry Adams and John Hume, who had the potential, somehow, some way, to become peacemakers. It would take six more years before a peace deal was struck, and then another ten before it lasted. But the groundwork was laid there, in the man who would stop and bend and pray over soldiers in the street. Alec Reed did not let his politics stop him from doing the work of peacemaking. Instead, perhaps it was his very religion that showed him the possibility that those people on the other side could perhaps potentially, incredibly, still become fellow peacemakers. What a vision he had to see the potential where others saw only division. And while I would like to believe it was his Christian faith that gave him eyes to see, and I do believe that, sadly we know that it is not always the case with Christian leaders. Sometimes it can feel like the followers of Jesus are the ones who are looking for divisions, rather than looking for ways to embody Christ's words, blessed are the peacemakers. Still, even with the world as it is, even with divisions as they have been, peacemaking work is still happening. Perhaps in secret, like with Alec Reed. Perhaps on a very small scale, like in Barth Elementary School. But it is happening. This week... The next time any of us feel overwhelmed by the world's events, I encourage us to take a few minutes, a few minutes to stop and try and glimpse a peacemaker at work. It might be someone who surprises us. It might be someone in our own family, even a sibling. It might be a famous person that the internet is calling weak or a flip-flopper. It might be someone who lives their life in a radical way of peace, or it might be someone who offers one gesture of peacemaking, one small, profound moment that builds bridges. Over the next week, I encourage each of us to try and identify a peacemaker and give thanks for their work. For indeed, if the fifth graders of Barth Elementary School can do it, I'm sure we can. And if Father Alec Reed can do it while bending in prayer over dead bodies, I'm sure we can as well. Jesus teaches us that these things make our world transform because they teach us how to see and hear and act differently. So friends, hearing these words echo in our ears. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be children of God. Let us search for how the children of God might become peacemakers before our very eyes even if it surprises us. And what a blessing that surprise will be. Amen. And let us pray. Lord, this is your world and you are at work within us. Make us channels of your peace. Give us eyes to see peacemakers at work. Give us the opportunity to act in the ways of peace ourselves. We pray together. Amen.